0: Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, April 7th, and we start with local news. The Columbia Police Department is trying to locate 13-year-old runaway juvenile Caden Cole Brewer... Caden was last seen this morning in the area of East 12th Street wearing Grade Champion sweatpants, a black Nike hoodie, and white Nike Air Force Ones. Caden is 5 feet tall, weighing 120 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. Any person with additional information that may assist in this or any other investigation is encouraged to contact the Columbia Police Department Dispatch 24 hours a day at 931-388-2727 or Columbia Police Safe Tip email to ColumbiaTn.com. Many areas of Middle Tennessee are still in the recovery process following last week's storms, which generated an EF2 tornado, leaving many residents without homes and, in some cities, their lives. In Lewis County, the damage amounted to multiple homes, commercial structures, barns, and other extensive property damage. Fortunately, no injuries or fatalities were reported. However, the devastation can still be felt as residents pick up the pieces of what remains. Dalton Crowell of Hohenwald was one of many who experienced extensive damage. Crowell said, It all happened in about two minutes sweeping through his property. When the storm finally settled, the tornado managed to uproot much of his fencing, destroy several walnut trees, and tear open the roof of a nearby barn dating back to the early 1940s. Miraculously, Crowell and his wife Linda's home, which he built himself in 1992, was spared, receiving only minor damage to the siding and outer trim. The storm also caused power outages, which lasted until Sunday evening. It didn't rain a drop until after the storm went through, and I always heard that if there was rain, the storm wouldn't be bad. There wasn't any rain, and so it was bad, Crowell said. After about three minutes, I looked out the door and my fencing was all gone, and then it started raining, he said. Crowell, now retired after working 35 years for Dana Corp. DanaCorp, sh- in the shipping department, now raises horses and cattle while doing what he calls a few odds and ends here and there alongside his dog, Digger. While living the simpler life in the country has been his life's work, he jokes about maybe finding a new hobby when it comes to raising animals. I've got two horses, but I'm thinking about getting rid of them. All they do is sit around and eat hay, Crowell joked. Crowell added that in all his years living there, he had never experienced such a storm before, although he's lived through a few dicey weather incidents. The aftermath of the March 31st through April 1st destruction also continues to stir up many emotions. It was one of the funniest storms I've ever seen, and I've lived through a couple of them, Crowell said. It kind of makes you sick when you look out and see what it had done after you've worked your whole life building the place. Makes you want to throw up, to tell you the truth, he said. Still, Crowell said he believes much of what was destroyed can be fixed. It'll just take time and lots of hard work, of which he has received help from family members and neighbors, often working through the night to rebuild fencing and clear up debris. It's definitely a funny feeling when you wake up and see everything has been blown away, Crowell said, but when it blows away, you've just got to build it back, and this barn has a pretty strong foundation, he said. Hohenwald Financial Officer Kevin Ham, whose home was just a few hundred yards from the tornado's path, described some of the harder hit areas as a war zone, like a bomb went off. Yet, despite the devastation, there has been a sense of hope in watching neighbor helping neighbor, from clearing up yards and driveways to providing food and shelter to those who lost everything. I was about 500 yards away from the path of it. We had to take shelter, and luckily we didn't get hit. We were just a short distance from it, Ham said. If you do go out and see the places that were hit the worst, you'll likely see people still out helping clean up, he said. On Tuesday, Governor Bill Lee issued a request for federal relief funding for the 10 tornado-impacted Tennessee communities, including Cannon, Hardeman, Hardin, Haywood, Lewis, Macon, McNary, Rutherford, Tipton, and Wayne counties. State and local officials, first responders, and volunteers continue to provide critical support to impacted Tennessee communities following significant storm damage, Lee said in a press release. As Tennessee rebuilds, I am now calling on our federal partners to make resources available to further our severe weather response and recovery across the state, he said. If awarded, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, will also provide direct aid to eligible Tennessee residents in the requested counties for disaster-related costs and expenses, the release states. The sheer magnitude of severe weekend weather created tremendous debris, destruction, and the tragic loss of 15 Tennesseans team director patrick sheehan said this assistance will be critical to the recovery efforts in the hardest hit communities in tennessee he said murray county's budget committee held a special called meeting last week to begin budget talks for the 2023-2024 fiscal year which begins july 1 the meeting largely focused on a proposed six percent raise for all county government employees Though the Budget Committee voted in favor of the raise during its March 13th meeting, Murray County Finance Director Doug Luconen said it will be a long process. However, the raises could be voted upon as early as May. With a proposed impact fee failing to pass the State House Property and Planning Subcommittee last week, questions loom whether taxpayers will see further increases with the proposed raise, though Lukonen said the likelihood is very low. It just depends on how many capital projects are funded, he said, listing new schools, renovation projects, and buildings. Luconin said the proposed raise will be paid for with a mixture of all government revenue, such as taxes, fees, and grants. We have seen a natural growth in revenue due to growth, but we also have challenges of capital funding to support that growth, he said. As of right now, there is not a tax increase being discussed. The meeting also went over submissions made by department heads. Requests are being considered for the Sheriff's Department, Murray County Jail, Tourism, and County Buildings, among others. Sheriff Bucky Rowland, who submitted one of the requests for the Sheriff's Department, stated the number of calls for services increased, leading to more warrants issued by the courts. This trend will only increase with our overwhelming growth, the justification read, citing the need for an additional dispatcher, deputies, and correctional officers. 32 new positions are currently being requested across all departments, with a total estimated amount of $2,057,012, including benefits. Lucone enlisted his three main goals as balancing the budget, no tax increase, and funding the services needed for the community. The next Budget Committee meeting is scheduled for April 10th. Mount Pleasant announced that it received a notice to proceed with construction from the Tennessee Department of Transportation, or TDOT, in late March, which moves the project to the bidding phase. The project is phase one of a downtown revitalization project that will include new accessible sidewalks, ADA-compliant pedestrian ramps, new pedestrian lighting and amenities, including benches, trash receptacles, and bike racks. TDOT awarded the city one and million million in Transportation Alternatives Program, or TAP, grant funds in 2018 for the pedestrian improvements. As part of the grant agreement, the city must provide a minimum match of 20% to receive those funds. In an effort to do a comprehensive project, the city has worked with the Water and Sewer Department to conduct water and sewer rehabilitation simultaneously. Mount Pleasant Power is also assisting the city in funding the lighting and traffic signalization portion of the project. In total, the project construction is expected to cost about $2.5 million. This project has been in the making for many years. It started with a downtown master plan, continued with a grant application to TDOT, then years of coordination and going through TDOT's required processes. We are thrilled to finally put this project out to bid, said City Manager Kate Collier. The bidding process is expected to be initiated over the next several weeks with a bid opening in early May. More approvals and coordination with TDOT will have to take place before a formal award is made. However, the City hopes to be able to begin construction later this summer and the project complete by the fall of 2024. The schedule of implementation of the Phase 1 project is timely, given that the City was awarded approximately $1.85 million in a 2022 TAP grant for the pedestrian improvements in the Phase 2 project area. This is part of the City's ongoing commitment to implement the Master Plan for Revitalization of Mount Pleasant's downtown. A new support group is forming to address the needs both of those suffering from Parkinson's disease and those who care for the ill. The Parkinson's Project, organized by Janie Vandeventer, will begin meeting on the second Wednesday of each month at the Murray County Senior Center, located at 1020 Murray County Park Drive in Columbia from 2 to 4 p.m. We offer a safe and compassionate space for patients and caregivers to share their thoughts and feelings, learn coping strategies, and receive counseling. We understand that Parkinson's disease can be a source of loneliness, depression, and stress for both patients and caregivers. That's why we are committed to providing comprehensive support that addresses the emotional as well as the physical aspects of the condition, Van Deventer said in an email. The Parkinson's Project is a nationwide movement which recognizes that both patients and caregivers sometimes feel overwhelmed and unsure of how to cope with the emotional and practical challenges of the condition. Studies have indicated that Parkinson's patients are likely to report a higher quality of life if their caregivers are not strained. To reserve a spot or to learn more about the project, please visit bit.ly forward slash Parkinson's project or email Janie, that's J-A-N-N-I-E dot coaching at email dot com or call one six one five nine seven five one six seven three. We look forward to meeting you and providing the support you need. Van Deventer said. The Tennessee Department of Health and the faith-based community is offering the Bringing Health to You Health and Wellness Fair. The event will take place on April 29th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Macedonia Church of Christ, located at 123 Clinch Drive in Columbia. The fair will offer hands-on health checkups with on-site health, local health professionals, community resources on health education, testing, and vaccines, real-time dental appointment scheduling on-site, and free healthy recipes and samples. Participating organizations include the Murray Regional Medical Center Mobile Medical Unit, the Women's Center, the Cancer Center, the Tennessee Department of Health, Meharry Medical Center, Clinical Research Associates, the Department of Children's Services, Behavioral Health Group, Brittany Pye, LMT, and Chef Jules. For more information, you can email jennifer.kinzer, k-i-n-z-e-r, at tn.gov, or call or text the number 931-800-8344. The Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation, or TDEC, last week announced 43 grants totaling $203,244,525 from the state's American Rescue Plan Fund, part of which TDEC is administering in the form of drinking water, wastewater, and stormwater infrastructure grants. The city of Spring Hill will receive $2.37 million, the department announced. The City will use ARP funds to address critical needs and significant non compliance issues, as well as develop a comprehensive asset management plan. Spring Hill will receive and modernize aging assets, I'm sorry, they'll replace and modernize aging assets, develop an inventory and condition assessment plan, and develop a planned operations and maintenance work order system. Of the 43 grants announced, 14 are collaborative grants and 29 are non collaborative grants collaborative grants involve multiple entities, cities, counties, or water utilities partnering on projects to work toward a shared purpose. All grants awarded represent 132 individual drinking water, wastewater, and or stormwater infrastructure projects. These grants announced bring a total ARP funds awarded by TDEC to $401.7 million since August. Tennessee received $3.725 billion from the ARP, and the state's Financial Stimulus Accountability Group dedicated $1.35 billion of those funds to TDEC to support water projects in communities throughout Tennessee. Of the $1.35 billion, approximately $1 billion was designated for non-competitive, formula-based grants offered to counties and eligible cities. The grants announced are part of the $1 billion non-competitive grant program. The remaining funds, about $269 million, will go to state-initiated projects and competitive grants. These grants will address important water infrastructure needs across rural and urban Tennessee communities, Governor Bill Lee said. We look forward to the improvements these projects will bring and we commend the communities who have gone through the application process, he said. More than ever, infrastructure is critically important to our local communities, said Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. This money will allow cities and towns to address deficiencies and make improvements that will pay dividends not just in the present, but in the years to come as well. I greatly appreciate the work of the governor and my colleagues on the Fiscal Accountability Group for their work in making sure these funds were spent appropriately and efficiently, he said. Blood Assurance and Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder are calling on residents to donate the gift of life during National Volunteer Month. Since 1991, the month of April has been dedicated to honoring all volunteers throughout the United States, as well as encouraging volunteerism, like giving blood. In recognition of the occasion, Mayor Mulder is featured in a new public service announcement produced by Blood Assurance. This is an opportunity to answer the call and give back, Mulder said in the promotional video. Knowing that it will go on to help someone who needs it, I can't imagine a more important calling, he said. Blood Assurance is the sole supplier of blood and blood products to the city's only hospital, Murray Regional Medical Center. The nonprofit has a donation center located at 1412 Trotwood Avenue. It's important that our blood supply levels remain at a point that doesn't get crucial for our community, noted Mayor Mulder. I'm grateful for Blood Assurance and what they mean for our community as far as giving back, he said. Donors can schedule an appointment online by visiting www.bloodassurance.org forward slash schedule, call one 800 9620628 or text the word give to the number 999777. Walk-ins are also accepted. All individuals who donate from now through April 30th will receive a commemorative Super Donor t-shirt. Murray County Public Schools invites area industries and businesses to their Senior Salute Day and Strive to Drive giveaway on Thursday, April 20th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Columbia Central High School football stadium at Murray County Park. During this event, one lucky senior will win a 2023 Jeep Compass from Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat. In addition to the Jeep Compass giveaway, this event will showcase seniors from every Murray County Public School high school and allow area businesses to meet over 800 students and share with them what your business has to offer. If you are interested in participating in the Senior Salute Day Career Fair event, you can email askmcps at murrayk12.org. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy skies today with occasional rain. The high will reach 58 degrees with winds out of the northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect more clouds and a few showers after midnight. The low will be 47 with winds out of the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. The chance of overnight rain, 30%. For your Easter weekend, we can expect more clouds and showers on Saturday with a high of 59. Sunday, the clouds will begin to break, and the daytime high will reach 69 degrees for your Easter celebrations. Overnight weekend lows will be in the high 40s. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. This is Chris Dowdy from Tennessee Children's Home. We are overwhelmed by the support through our move to our new Spring Hill campus. We are excited about the new opportunities that these buildings will provide us to serve at-risk youth. We ask that you will continue to pray for us and those that we serve. We still need your continued support. Visit our website, tennesseechildrenshome.org, to make a donation or learn more about what we're doing to serve at-risk youth in Tennessee.
2: More than 95% of people incarcerated will come home like I did. I'm William Arnold, director of the new Tennessee Office of Reentry. When they come home, we want to be ready to help remove barriers to employment. It's okay if you've been incarcerated or just as involved. Help is available. Go to TNWorkReady.com or visit your local American Job Center.
0: Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Labor and Workforce
2: Development, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. TNWorkReady.com.
1: Welcome
0: back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Ten days after a shooter unloaded 152 rounds inside a Nashville school and killed six people, Tennessee House Republicans on Thursday expelled two Democratic lawmakers for breaking House rules and mounting a gun reform protest on the chamber's floor. After hours of fiery debate, the House expelled Representatives Justin Jones, a Democrat from Nashville, on a 72-25 to 25 vote, and Representative Justin Pearson, a Democrat from Memphis, by 69-26, to 26, in a move that put the nation's eyes on Tennessee and its politics. But the House failed by one vote to achieve the two-thirds majority needed to kick Representative Gloria Johnson, a Democrat from Knoxville, out of the chamber— The effort to expel Johnson failed on a 65-30 to vote as chants of Gloria, Gloria rang out in the House chamber. Republicans removed two of the youngest black lawmakers from the General Assembly, further reducing an already small minority caucus. Still, the expulsions have elevated the two lawmakers' political profiles with little long-term gains for Republican leadership as Pearson and Jones could be reappointed to their seats within days or weeks. The historic partisan expulsion process has roiled political tensions as the state continues to grapple with the deadliest school shooting in its history. What is happening here today is a farce of democracy, Jones said at the beginning of his 20-minute defense. What is happening here today is a situation in which the jury has already publicly announced the verdict. What we see today is a spectacle. What we see today is a lynch mob assembled not to lynch me, but our democratic process, he said. Lawmakers considered the fate of the three Democrats steps away from hundreds of protesters whose chants permeated the House doors. While more than 200 people stood in silence in the House galleries, protesters continued to call on Republican lawmakers to pass gun reform and slammed the efforts to expel the lawmakers who have been dubbed the Tennessee Three. The expulsion proceedings threatened to strip more than 200,000 Tennesseans of their elected representation and marked just the fourth time since the end of the Civil War in which the House ousted sitting lawmakers. No House member has ever been removed from elected office for simply violating decorum rules. Republicans insisted expulsion, the most extreme sanction available, was the right move to protect the integrity of the House and its rules. This is just not about one specific instance or one specific rule that may have been broken. The rules here are for order said Representative Johnny Garrett, a Republican from Goodlettsville, who led the GOP arguments against Jones. We owe that to the constituents that we represent across this state, he said. Jones took several pointed pauses while sipping water during his floor speeches, allowing the chants of whose house, our house, to flow into the chamber from the crowd gathered outside. Your extreme measure is an attempt to subvert the will of voters who democratically elected us as representatives to speak and to passionately fight for them, Jones said. The expulsions for the two were effective immediately. Before the House voted on Johnson's fate, House Democratic Caucus Chairman John Ray Clemens, a Democrat from Nashville, argued there was not enough evidence to uphold the allegations in Johnson's expulsion resolution. Two attorneys, both former House members themselves, also argued on Johnson's behalf, saying while Johnson stood in support of her two freshman colleagues, she did not lead the chance with a bullhorn. I have have to raise the voices of people in my district, and I did what I felt those folks wanted me to do, Johnson said in her defense. Seven Republicans broke with their party to vote against Johnson's expulsion. Representative Jody Barrett of Dixon, Representative Charlie Baum of Murfreesboro, Representative Rush Brickin of Tullahoma, Representative Brian Ritchie of Maryville, Lowell Russell of Venor, Mike Sparks of Smyrna, and Sam Whitson of Franklin. Gaffs rang out as the vote count was announced before Johnson and Pearson drew each other into an emotional hug. Following the vote, Johnson said she couldn't feel good about her survival due to the expulsion of her colleagues. Johnson, a white woman, believed Pearson and Jones were treated differently due to their race. They showed today how brilliant they are, how important their message is for the next generation to be able to connect like they can to the people, Johnson said. It's critical. We need people in the House who can do that. And they are just brilliant at it, she said. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. This weekend is set to be a festive Easter celebration all across Columbia. If finding Easter eggs is your thing, there are plenty of places to hunt for them. Harmon Scrap Metal will host an Easter egg hunt at Woodland Park, located at 1602 Hatcher Lane, starting at 2 p.m. on Saturday. The hunt will start at the Fallen Heroes Shelter and will, will include food trucks, prizes, photos with the Easter Bunny, and more. A Museum Children's Museum located at 123 West Seventh Street will be hosting a hopping Easter party from eight thirty to ten AM on Saturday. Tickets range from fifteen to twenty dollars depending on memberships. Activities include time with Easter bunny, spring themed crafts, and story time. First United Methodist Church will host an Easter egg hunt. Egg extravaganza from 9 to 11 a.m. Saturday at Riverwalk Park. The event will feature bounce houses, live music, mini donkeys, crafts, balloon art, and 3,000 eggs waiting to be found. Want to hunt for eggs underwater? Mule Town Rack, located at 1446 Oak Springs Drive, will host an Easter egg dive from 9 9 to 10.30 a.m. for ages 3 to 4. Um and throughout the rest of the morning as well for other ages, so stop by there. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM, WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Monday to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great Easter weekend.